This episode is brought to you by Communications Training for Coffee Teams, a new Mapper Forward workshop tailored to get your team communicating more confidently to improve general mental health as well as business profitability. Click the link in the show notes for further details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and today is the first in a five-part series with my favorite person to have on the podcast. Every year, it is mandatory that we have Judy Gaines on the podcast. Judy, welcome back. I thank you so much. It's mandatory for me to be here with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I figure if we get you in as one of the first guests of the year, that leaves us the opportunity to at least have you back twice more this year. I uh, have this feeling that this is going to be a very interesting and volatile year in coffee. And so what we're going to talk about in this five-part series is the future of coffee in the year ahead. So we're going to take a forward-looking approach to it and perhaps uh, compare it to some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years. We're going to talk about things like pricing and availability. We're going to talk about the global economy. We're going to talk about Robusta because that was something that was spoken about a lot at World of Coffee that our audience may not be aware is something that should be on people's radars right now. And then in the last episode of this series, we're going to talk about the storms that are ahead for the coffee industry. So Judy, just very quickly, everybody knows who you are, but for the few people who are new listeners to the (laughs) podcast, just super quickly so that we can get to the actual content, why don't you remind everyone who you are? So I am Judy Gaines. I'm a New Yorker that resides in Panama and have been covering the coffee market and other soft commodities for nearly four decades Mm. um, as a fundamental market analyst and provide um, subscription-based research reports, consulting advisory services, risk management courses, and training. And anything and, else that's thrown my way. <laughs> and, and folks, for those of you who are new, and we do have a lot of new listeners after World of Coffee, for those of you who are new, Judy is probably the favorite guest that comes on this podcast. I hear about you from producers mostly more than anybody uh, that comes on this podcast. They love the way that you talk uh, openly and with kind of it you make it easy for people to understand a very intimidating topic so on behalf of all of them thank you and um today throw it at me here let's go (laughs) so today what we're going to talk about is pricing and the price of coffee has been super volatile over the last few years Uh, And for folks who are new to this, um, just to give you an understanding of the landscape, in 2019, the low of the price was around 92. In uh, in 2022, the price got as high as around 240. And currently, uh, the price is about 166. And so these are huge fluctuations on the C price uh, for coffee. So Judy, let's start this conversation about what are your thoughts about what's happened with the price of coffee to get us to this point over the last couple of years? Okay. Well, first I'm an old timer here. So these prices aren't volatile compared to what's <laughs> happened in, you know, something that happened 35 years ago. Right. Right. And, and so we have to keep it in relative perspective mm-hmm. and also what is driven it. And, you know, when you have weather problems in a commodity, you're naturally going to see it spike higher. Mm. And what's a little different about 
this time around isn't so much that the market zoomed upwards, but it's been able to hold relatively higher prices for a much longer time frame right. than in the Okay. And what typically happens in the coffee market is you'll have a frost in Brazil or a drought or a problem in Colombia. The market spikes higher and then immediately sells off and does this about face because you already spurred additional production increases and you've caused demand to slow or shifts in consumption from Arabica to cheaper priced Robusta, which is, mm. there you go, the, the interplay between Arabica and Robusta prices. This time, you have some of the shifting in demand, and yet prices are stubbornly high. You might not see it as much in terms of the futures market, which is certainly backed off from 260, but differentials or the cash market premiums and discounts are also at very elevated levels. And that brings into the market a whole bunch of different dynamics, which we can talk about. And so the question is, why are prices holding at these higher levels? And that goes to a whole host of different things from the price of labor the availability of labor in Central America and other countries is really tight right now. Mm -hmm. And then you have some residual because of increase in fertilizer prices. And because so suddenly, of inflation. Right. And so suddenly the base price maybe is higher for the time being than where the market normally would come back to. And these prices haven't spurred the production increases as quickly as they otherwise would have mm -hmm. when costs were much cheaper. So if I understand it correctly, God, I love how much I learned from you. If I understand it correctly, um, the supply and demand economics isn't equating here, right? Well, it, it's not the same as it was before. And remember, it's very difficult to know all this when it's a tree crop. It's very easy when it's corn or soybeans. Oh, let's go plant some seed. And, you know, in five months, we have cash in our pocket. Right. With coffee, there's a much greater investment. And when a producer is looking out and saying, well, wait a second, my labor has migrated north to the United States and isn't here anymore. And I'm facing all these shortages, how am I going to be able to plant today and guarantee that I'm going to have the workers a year from now or two years from now to even pick this coffee? Wow. And what role, given we're talking about a futures market here, what role is speculators playing in keeping the price high? Oh, I don't think it any really. Really, this is really this is really economics at work and supply and demand factors related specifically to coffee and then the interrelationship between coffee and other commodities. 
because you have to also consider the value of land. And if farmers are able to plant soybeans and cash out faster, then are they going to plant coffee? And so you've had the grain markets who are very high in, in price the past two years also. Right. And so, you know, a lot of farmers are saying we're tired of coffee. Are they tired because of the complexity of tired, the economics? Tired. Yeah, are they, tired. Yeah. Are they tired because of the complexity of the economics or because of the complexity of the agriculture, do you Both. think? Oh, it, it, it goes hand, hand in hand. And remember something else, and, and this is going to be a very sore point, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about economics for any commodity, there's always going to be a point where prices do fall below the cost of production. Yeah. And, and it, you know, producers cringe, obviously, when talking about that. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I go to so many producing countries and I meet with so many growers and I hear their stories and, and you want everyone to have a sustainable livelihood. But, you know, economics and free market conditions also take hold. And that if people can't grow a crop responsibly, meaning as efficiently as possible, and they don't compete, they can't compete against more efficient growers, then, and they can't diversify, Mm -hmm. then what are they going to do? Because a buyer doesn't necessarily have to buy their coffee. Just because they have a certain cost structure that might be above everybody else's, it doesn't mean a buyer is beholden to pay a higher price for a coffee they might not that might not fit in with their margin structure. And it is so sensitive. It's such a difficult topic mm. because, you know, many small share farmers don't have much land and don't have alternatives, maybe because of the terrain that their coffee is grown on and coffee is best suited for it. And it's generation after generation that's Mm. planted coffee. How do you tell them not to grow coffee anymore? I mean, that that becomes a a tough, tough decision. And so it's heartbreaking when you see that people can't make a living growing coffee. But at the same time, you know, free market suggests that coffee prices at some point fall below the cost of production to put the brakes on future output because otherwise you're going to have a massive oversupply. And so the price has to drop faster, sooner, a little bit harder to keep world production from escalating too quickly and having the other side, the pendulum swing to a massive, massive price crisis. Crisis, like we've seen um, on other occasions, 2000 was an example. So in 1997, the price went from $1.25 to $3.18 per pound, Mm -hmm. actually in very similar circumstances to what we have now. There was a double frost in Brazil in 1994, prices backed off, and then the tightness hit. Mm -hmm. 
and the, and um, stocks of coffee dropped in consumer hands, mm-hmm. and the market responded. But then two years later, the market sank below fifty cents a pound because there was an oversupply. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And so the more efficient producers, the larger producers, are going to look to expand production and they become um, tech savvy and their yields increase and therefore knock some producers out of the box. And, and that's the sad reality. The next generation of producers, uh, younger producers what, that I'm talking to, uh, we have this interesting thing happening. Some of them are realizing that coffee is just not a positive sum game over time and they're opting out. They're going and studying other things and deciding that they're not going to become coffee producers like the five generations before them. Right. I mean, it, it's scary there, you know, what percentage are going to be next generation producers? Right. And the, the ones that I'm speaking to that have decided that they want to be next generation producers have decided to do it very differently than the five generations that came before them. They want mm-hmm. to integrate um, a, a whole bunch of technology. They want to scale back. They want to m- be quite minimalistic in the approach and not offer a whole bunch of you know super exotic coffees. And they they have a different approach. Is my point. Um, and what, they need to. They and, and they absolutely need to. Need to right. And it's all going about to, innovation and efficiency. Yeah. And the role that AI and technology plays in, in driving all of that forward. So super interesting conversations, and we're going to have a lot of those on the podcast this year. But what I'm really interested to see is how many, what the percentage of this next generation of producers actually receive the call to, to do that and decide to do that um, and what it's going to do with regards to the supply, which is what we're going to talk about in the in the next episode, the availability of coffee as smallholder producers or even medium-sized producers decide that the next generation is going to stop. They're going to sell the land once um, their parents are no longer around and we're going to lose many coffee farms because of that. Do you see that that's something that's in our future? Well, I was just in Honduras last week and mm-hmm. let's talk coffee. And it was definitely part of the conversation. Wow. Okay. Oh, for sure. And, you know, heartbreaking stories about a situation where pickers are headed north and, and seeking the better life in California. The West. Mm. Okay. Or wherever, you know, come through Mexico into Texas, Texas also. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're just leaving. And, mm. and there was a statistic that showed that there's, if prices drop by five cents per pound from, this statistic was from really a dollar sixty to a dollar forty, and equated it out to every five cents, there's something like 14,400 um, coffee Produce. workers. Oh, workers. That, that disappear out of the industry wow i mean you add that up and then it also um as part of the study that was done um 
I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but it was something, it was very disproportionate. It was like, you know, 122% of percentage went to loss for the coffee industry versus like 42% for non-industry related. I mean, it was just wow. such a disproportion for when coffee prices tumble and not even fall to historically low levels. I mean, from 160 to 140. And that's not even close to historically low. That's right. And, and the migration that it causes out of coffee. And it sounds like it's becoming more and more sensitive. And interestingly, this is mirroring, being mirrored in the consumer end uh, of the, the value chain because we are having really, really tight labor markets for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except so. for job availability in rural Honduras and mountains. Mm. And where, what are you going to do? means leaving the country, putting your life at risk, yeah. you know, abandoning your family to send money home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the horror stories are about the youth, the next generation that decided to seek the better life and don't make it across the border. Right. If something happened along the way, I mean, yeah. it's dangerous. Or... There's the women who go to their their husbands left and then they're managing the farm. They can't handle it. They want to migrate north and then they're turned back. But they already sold the farm everything. and everything they have because they weren't going to be there and they needed the money to help to pay to try and get across the border. Mm. And now they're in debt and they have nothing. And so there, there's actually some organizations that are even, you know, trying to help these women. So there's a whole other side to the border situation. That the, the whole really story is so intense. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of content it's online. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, this is why the United States has, has deployed these envoys to go and help uh, sort out a lot of what's going on in the coffee industry with coffee growers uh, across that region because if they can help fix that problem, they can stop the flow of people trying to get across who are dying in the process. Right. And it's it's unnecessary. The thing is that, it, you know, it's this double-edged sword. So you, you fix some of the problems, but prices stay high. Right. You know, oversupply, then ultimately the price is going to come cyclical. down and then what happens. And right. so it's cyclical. Yep. So the pricing situation, I think we have determined that it is interesting. I think that's the best word that we can use to describe pricing for 2023. It's something to watch. It's something to, um, to keep an eye on. Um, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the availability of coffee uh, in 2023. So let's do that. Thank you, folks. I hope that you enjoyed this and I, I hope that we kept it uh, digestible for you. <laughs> Peace, love and peanut butter, everybody. Have an amazing rest of your day. 
Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.